Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Pastoring in the Pandemic. I am so pleased today to be joined by Dean Todd Still. Dr. Still is the Dean of George W. Truett Theological Seminary in Waco, where I got my Master of Divinity. And in addition to his many other titles, uh, Dean Still, Dr. Still, was my favorite professor whenever I was at Truett. And so I am so glad to, to have him on today to get to hear how things are going at the seminary, to hear um, some of his thoughts on, on this pandemic and how it's affecting Christian ministry. So Dean Still, thank you so much for joining me today. Daniel, thank you for inviting me. I didn't know that I was your favorite professor. That makes my day. <laughs> well, I, you probably should have guessed when I took a third Greek class, um, because that's not the class I would have chosen to take otherwise, but I needed, I needed more Dean Still in, in my life. So, <laughs> uh, Thank you. I just thought you liked Greek, Daniel. <laughs> I, 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 would, I hate to correct you on that, but I'm going to have to in this case. <laughs> That's fun. Thank you. Well, it's good to be with you. Well, let me ask you about the pandemic in the seminary. Um, yeah. Taking you back a little bit to when this all really began for most of us, when and how did the pandemic initially affect the seminary way back in, in March when this all got very real for us all of a sudden? Daniel, I remember it vividly. I had just done a wedding in Bernie and I flew from San Antonio to Vancouver, British Columbia. I was doing chapel services for Trinity Western University and our graduate, the Reverend Dr. James Ellis. And I was there Monday, Tuesday and flying back to DFW on Wednesday. And it was as if though I had entered into an airport that now looked like what I called a 9-11 airport. It was just empty. And I thought to myself, this is getting very serious very quickly. And sure as the world, we were told then that we were going to extend spring break one week we were going to ready all of our classes for digital instruction. And then we were going to reconvene uh, after an additional week of spring break. So this was in mid-March and that's how the pandemic uh, came home to roost for us. So in those early days, most of us, entered a, a shelter-in-place period where we were, we were all quarantining at home. Anyone who could was working from home. Um, all but essential workers, it seemed, were, were working out of the home. During that period, what were your top priorities as the, as the leader of a seminary? Well, the first thing, Daniel, that we had to do is we're an educational institution. Uh, we exist to equip God-called people for gospel ministry in and alongside Christ Church by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are about the business of teaching. So the first thing that we had to do is we had to make sure that our classes were ready and our faculty were remarkable. They were agile, they were nimble, our students were flexible, and they were grateful. And so we did everything that we could do to the best of our ability to make sure that our technology was as um, 
adept and as up to speed as it possibly could be. And then we just began to offer uh, synchronous instruction through primarily the medium of Zoom until we were able to complete the spring and then on into the summer. So priority one, we needed to make sure that we could continue our classes. Now this was a heavy lift for Truett because as you know, we have valued and continue to value residential theological education because instruction is one thing, formation is another. Formation can be done virtually, but it is not as easy as it is in the context of a community. The second thing, quite frankly, Daniel, is I was concerned. In fact, if I want to be perfectly honest, uh, I was worried. I was worried about the well-being of our faculty, our staff, but especially our students. As a result of COVID, many lost work and others lacked work. And so all of a sudden, students are asking the question, how am I gonna make rent payments? How am I gonna make utility payments? Am I gonna lose my car? Do I have sufficient food to eat? What about the medications that I need? Uh, my children, what do we do with our children? And so we appealed to the Truett family and within a very short amount of time, we were able to raise over $25,000. And for the first time in my life, Daniel, I saw what was true of the Jerusalem church, uh, true in practice for us. There was no known need among us because of the generosity of the Truett community. We were able to respond to the articulated needs of our students and it brought me a great degree, not only of relief, but frankly, of delight. It was almost like the Jerusalem collection uh, incarnate in the 21st century, where those who had too much uh, made sure, those who had much didn't have too much, and those who had too little didn't have too little. It was one of these kind of experiments in equality, I saw taste. Now, of course, uh, you know, some fared well uh, and better than others, but we were certain that none of our students uh, were going hungry and uh, none of our students were going to be homeless. So uh, we were concerned about instruction on the one hand and the well being of our students, not only academically, but um, physically and emotionally on the other. We got those who were in need of counsel. Uh, that is to say, pastoral and psychological counsel uh, into such, uh, because the anxiety can be great and um, the, um, uh, the concerns are acute. So during this period where decisions are being made at a very rapid clip, changes are being instituted faster than things normally change in the church or in, uh, in academia, one thing I was curious about as I was getting updates from Truett was who was making all of these decisions? You're, you're sort of at the top of that particular food chain in the seminary. Who were you working alongside to make these decisions during this period of, of uncertainty? And what, what were those meetings like? So credit to where credit is due. Uh, the president and her cabinet are those top level decision makers at Baylor. 
and they created a COVID-19 task force who were able to spring into action with great skill and care. We used what has been known as a Swiss cheese approach, where you mask and you socially distance and you take care of physical hygiene. And then um, after, this was done after people began to, uh, to come back. And you know, this fall, we've been all about uh, testing, random testing, contract tracing, et cetera. But while folks were away, you're exactly right. What we had to do is you had to plan and then you had to offer contingency plans. Isn't it interesting that you've never planned so much to change your plan so much? And so the term of the day is pivot. And there is and there was a, a, a lot of pivoting. And you know what you end up having to do is you have to say, uh, let's, let's be flexible. So our provost, uh, which is the chief academic officer of the university, Dr. Nancy Brickhouse, worked with deans and others and academic support services to work with faculty and staff to really support our students so that we could keep on teaching, so that we could keep on learning. And then we were able to return to work, many of us in a phased approach beginning in June, preparing for uh, an August return. Uh, one thing that we also had to do, not unlike churches, we had to ask questions regarding budget. And in the seminary, we made deep cuts in operations during the spring, and then we projected a 26.4% operations cut throughout this academic year, fortunately, Enrollments have been strong, and we have not had to uh, uh, say all classes go online like we did in the spring. So, so that's a grace. It's 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 a gift. So those meetings, um, serious, somewhat somber, yet simultaneously hopeful not knowing exactly when this ordeal was going to end, but not unlike Paul when writing to the Corinthians in light of the present distress, you just have to make uh, various uh, changes in order to do what you can do for the time being. And so that's kind of been our rough and ready rule. We're gonna prepare for the worst, we're gonna hope for the best, and we're going to continue to focus on uh, the well-being of our students, faculty, staff, constituents. So that was um, how we responded. So now you've reached this point where classes are back in person. There's some semblance of normalcy. So now that you are back to, certainly not to normal, but to something that resembles normal much more than in March or April. What are you hearing from students, from faculty about seminary life in the pandemic? What's, what's going well and what still leaves something to be desired? So we're hoping that a threefold cord, Daniel, is not easily broken. Uh, our instructional approach relative to modalities, um, in-person instruction with mask, including the professors. This is, I'm teaching on Tuesday nights this term. I must confess, 
teaching while masked has been the greatest challenge for me. And I don't want to be selfish. I'm just saying that it's been hard for me to grow accustomed to teaching uh, in a mask. Um, so mask, socially distanced, that is six feet. And then, um, you know, we're not eating and drinking in classrooms. Um, and so uh, that creates a different dynamic. There is no doubt about it. In-person instruction, though, continues to be something that we highly value. Some of our students, whether they themselves have contracted COVID-19 or they are living with or near those at high risks, have been able to take their classes this term online. Now, I'm teaching in person and simultaneously, I am teaching online. Uh, that's not recommended, but you have the ideal and you have the ordeal. And we have a person who is in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and we want to be able to make sure that she can continue to uh, move towards her goal of graduation. We have one of our students that is in Dallas, Texas, and he's unable to get back and forth to us as much as he would wish. We have students that have been exposed and contact tracing says they're 14 days in quarantine. So what are you gonna do? Well, you can either record the lectures or you can do them in lifetime. And so we've chose a synchronous path. And this then, uh, is what we've uh, done. We've offered in-person instruction, we've offered virtual instruction, and in some cases there is the intentional hybrid where there's both in-person instruction on the one hand and digitally delivered content, whether it be synchronous or asynchronous, um, on the other. So what are folks saying? Well, I think that we all feel grateful that we're able to continue. But we're all, all mindful that this is not business as usual. And if this is a new normal, then I don't think any of us are really um, uh, celebrating <laughs> that, that this is the new normal. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful uh, and prayerful, like many are hopeful and prayerful for a vaccine one that can not only be invented, but one that can be widely distributed, not only one that can be widely distributed, but is also widely accepted. And, you know, hopefully over time through vaccine and certain immunities that can be gained and garnered through exposure and through inoculation will enable us to go forward. Um, but this is, this is what is being said. So we're grateful for the community that we can have but we're mindful of the community that we had. And so in some ways, we're not so much like the Israelites of old. We, we long for the flesh pots of Egypt. You know, we, not suggesting that it was slavery, but we, we long for something that was, um, recognizing even as we come together in chapel, you know, we have large portions of our chapel marked off. We're, we're not singing, you know, uh, it's not unlike your worship services, where it's, it's certainly better than nothing, but it's not the something to which you had grown accustomed. Well, a lot of my questions up to this point have been 
questions for an institutional leader, and I thought it was important to ask those questions. Let me, since pivot is the word of the day, let me ask you to pivot now to your New Testament scholar hat and ask you uh, some questions about the things that we're learning spiritually yeah. through this pandemic. Yeah. For, for you personally, what are some things that you have learned or that you've been reminded of about God because of this pandemic, things you might not have otherwise been reminded of, but this this crisis has reminded you of them. Well, so um, ours is a broken world. Uh, we're reminded of it anew because of COVID, but the fact that it's broken and scarred and uh, not the way that it was intended, that's not a newsflash for us. And so in this world, the Lord said, you will have tribulation, but be of good courage, I've overcome the world. And so we're mindful of sin, we're mindful of suffering. I'm not equating our present sickness to sin. I am saying it is uh, a suffering. And so um, we have occasion to uh, ponder the character of God, who is good, uh, but we're mindful, Daniel, that sometimes when you ask people how they're doing and they say it's all good, I'm not sure that anyone can honestly say that anymore. But, um, but, but, God, but God is good. And so fortunately, we don't groan alone. Creation groans. The Spirit groans, um, uttering, um, uh, you know, prayers with um, groanings too deep for words. And so God, God is with us, um, not in spite of the suffering, but in the suffering. And so these are the things that, that, that I'm learning, the, the importance of community, um, the, the importance of uh, perseverance, uh, many things that this this pandemic is causing us to consider anew. Uh, many of these things we we know in theory, but uh, we're affirming now in in fresh ways. It's been very interesting for me during the pandemic. Fellowship for me, mm -hmm. though I though I knew the meaning of the word, though I knew what it was about. In church life, fellowship is often just our spiritual way of saying a meal. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's our it's our biblical word for we're we're gonna have a meal afterwards. This this is an event that features food. Yeah. And it's been very interesting in the pandemic how meaningful fellowship has become because of the lack of it that we've had. We I think we've gained a newer a new understanding of how important that is and how much we miss it when we don't have it. Yeah, you know, Paul, especially in Philippians, can talk about this koinonia, this, this fellowship, this partnership, and it's difficult to capture uh, in quarantine. It's difficult to capture at some remove. You, you hunger for worship. Uh, many of our friends who find themselves isolated, perhaps they themselves are widowed, and uh, maybe they are in retirement homes. Maybe they're in hospital. And human touch is so important. And, uh, you know, we don't exchange holy kisses much anymore, but uh, a handshake. 
uh, a hug, um, an, a knowing glance, um, a smile that you can actually see. These kinds of things, um, they've been lost in these days. And I think that if we don't name them and simply say that um, there, is, there is lament, there is grief, then we're guilty of a kind of superficial spirituality that helps no one, um, not the outsider, and, and not one another, because we're not being honest. As you think about what we've seen that has changed in the church, in, in some ways it feels like everything has yeah. changed over these last few months. Some of these changes we can expect to we can expect a return to normalcy um, once there is a vaccine, once, once this pandemic has moved from the present to the past. But there are other effects that we can expect to endure, both for the positive and for the negative. So what are some of the long-term effects that you expect the pandemic to have on the church? You know, Daniel, I've visited with uh, a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues who do precisely what you do and it's fascinating to to learn and to listen one image a friend gave me just last week is it appears as if though for the present we're on pause and a real question is the what does the picture look like after we push play again so on the upside um i'm a blue sky kind of guy it's a half full glass for me on the upside. What has COVID um, enabled? Well, a kind of connectivity that we would not have anticipated otherwise. Who would have thought that the vast majority of worship is now live streamed? So many within congregations are having opportunity to engage their fellowship through media. That has to be a positive thing. Many people are finding access to the gospel, to the good news that God is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, uh, not counting their sins against them in, in ways that uh, they may not have had access to otherwise. So the message is going out. You know, it's not unlike Paul in... Roman captivity, where he says that to the extent that Christ is proclaimed in this, I will rejoice. So the communication of uh, the gospel, uh, full-fledged, robust, multifaceted, is now being heard in unanticipated ways by unexpected people. I do think it's also fair to say that COVID has created among Christian communities, a kind of creativity, asking the question, how might we more um, effectively connect, especially when we're at a distance? My hope, Daniel, is that some of these gains will not be lost on the other side of COVID. So to the extent that a church is able to continue to reach those who can't be to church through digital communication. I trust that those kind of live streaming opportunities will persist. 
to the extent that shut-ins, for example, uh, will be able to enjoy the Lord's Supper by a deacon dropping by in hygienic ways the elements of the supper, however it might turn out in one's peculiar and particular context, let's continue to find ways of reaching out to those who are not easily reached by virtue of what COVID has taught us. On the downside, I, I mean, I do think it's fair to say that it's difficult to regain patterns and we're going to have to hear afresh what Hebrews says to those who received this remarkable pastoral missive in Rome. Let us not forsake the assembling together of ourselves, as is the habit of some. It's easy to get out of the habit of giving. Um, let's don't lose that pattern. Many churches are enjoying receipts that are comparable to pre-COVID levels. We need to remember that we have to continue to give generously. I think that it's fair to say that COVID-19 uh, and the crises that it's created in congregational life can play to the consumer habit of mind in some so that they go out online, they say, I can hear X preach at Y time with Z effect. You know, why would I want to return to a previous pattern? And so people, if they're not careful, can become accustomed to being consumer. But at the end of the day, the church gives us not only an opportunity to receive, but also to give. So I think that we're going to have to um, relearn some patterns that are ours, uh, th that have been ours once, quote, the coast is clear, and not hide behind the COVID cloak when, in fact, health concerns are no longer acute concerns. This has been a time of a lot of anxiety for a lot of folks. I, I myself preached on anxiety just this past Sunday. And one of the things that was really drilled into me during my time at, at Truett by various professors that we spoke about in, that was spoken about in chapel was the importance of what we call self-care, of tending to my own spiritual health even as I seek to minister to others, of avoiding that pastoral burnout that we see too often. So for you, what are some practices that you have found beneficial to help keep your own head above water during this time? You know, Daniel, I'm, I'm just like uh, the next person. Uh, it's easy for me to obsess. It's easy for me to grow anxious. And so, you know, um, one of the things that I try to do is I, I try to return to Scripture. And passages like Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, uh, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. You know the passage. I need not repeat it. But this is, um, this is something, you know, continue to saturate in Scripture. Hear Jesus say afresh, uh, consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air. Um, if your father cares for them, will your father not so much more care for you? And so uh, continue to 
read scripture, continue to reflect upon scripture. Um, you know, I find uh, what I would call just simple prayers that Brother Lawrence might call practicing the presence of God. You know, Paul says, pray without ceasing. What, what can be meant by that? And so um, I, I pray the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I mean, this is, this is where my mind can run and race. So this, this allows refreshment for me, uh, Daniel, really. Um, I'm not, I confess, the kind that has been able to spend inordinate amounts of time journaling and even massive swaths of time in prayer. And so while I'm in scripture preparing for class, for sermons, um, this is not only preparation, it's also devotion. It's also an opportunity to be engaged in prayer. I love the outdoors. Um, uh, we're not panentheists. We don't think that God uh, is in nature and nature is in God. Uh, but um, the heavens declare the glory of God. And one of the great graces in all of this is it's forced many of us to spend more time outdoors than, than we spend uh, you know, as a matter of course. And so I, I appreciate um, the beauty of the flowers, the turning of the foliage. Um, these are uh, intimations of God's goodness, I think. I, I continue to exercise, um, and I'm fortunate to, to be healthy enough uh, to try to stay healthy. You know, it's, it's almost a vicious cycle. But I'm, I'm grateful to be able to exercise, and so I do so with a great degree of regularity, and that, that helps me. But, you know, if, if I want to be perfectly frank, um, self-care is hard for me, and I think sometimes for those who are in positions where uh, they um, are, are seeking to care for others, um, it's difficult sometimes to, to do that uh, for, for oneself. It's easier for me to, 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 to work <laughs> and, and, and to worry uh, than to pray and to rest. So this is something that I personally have to continue to uh, combat. But maybe an awareness uh, is, is part of progress towards um, at, 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 at least working on a solution. Well, I have one final question for you, and it's one that I've asked just about all of my guests um, as I've gotten to sit down and have chats like this one. As you think about all the things that we've learned, as you think about all the things that we continue to face, as you think about the effect the pandemic has had on the seminary, on your students, on the churches that Truett partners with, what is one thing that you would want to tell those who are listening, pastors and parishioners alike? What's one thing you would want to tell them about ministry right now? Yeah, I can't reduce it to one, so I'm going to take two. I'm not going to answer your question as it's been asked. Um, so stay connected. Um, stay connected to Christ. Um, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Stay connected to folks one way or another, whether it's texting or calling or Zooming or emailing or visiting while socially distanced uh, as it's safe for all involved, 
try to stay connected both um, to one's own family and friends um, in faith, but also to try to stay connected as one is able to one's uh, community. It's easy, isn't it, to create a bunker mentality um, and to, to withdraw. And if we're not careful, we can become self-absorbed. I've said a lot of times as folks have asked, how are you doing in the context of COVID? I said, I'm actually doing quite well, and this causes me to feel both grateful, but also a little bit guilty, because the truth of the matter is, Daniel, there are a lot of people that are far worse off than we, and to not be mindful of those people, it seems to me, is an exercise in self-absorption and um, uh, self-consumption. So uh, continue to be mindful uh, of the other. So stay connected. And then what I would also say is just um, stay the course. Uh, I understand that that can come across as um, kind of just this, um, um, you know, pragmatism that says, um, you know, grin and bear it. But, but that's not so much my, my habit of mind. I mean, Paul can say to the Galatians, um, while there is still time, do good to all people, but especially to the household of faith. And otherwise, uh, in other words, um, um, you know, persevere, uh, lean into the Lord. The Lord uh, calls us to cast our cares upon him. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult to keep going. Um, and there's sometimes when we just need to say, um, I'm, I'm not doing so well, and I just need to, 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 to pull away. Jesus himself, in the midst of his ministry, did the same. But Eugene Peterson wrote a volume uh, in which he spoke of a long obedience in the same direction. And that's basically my habit of mind right now. Uh, just uh, continue to press on and, and, and press through, because... Um, you know, this too uh, is going to pass. Uh, we don't know when, uh, we don't know exactly how, but we have to remain hopeful in the midst of it all uh, because um, to, wh what did C.S. Lewis say? Uh, to grieve without hope is to forget that there is a God, and hope really is this kind of forward thrust of trust. It's, it's faith on tiptoes. So, um, I just believe that's part and parcel of our, our Christian hope. So we press on. Well, Dean, still, I'm thankful for those, for those hopeful words. Uh, thankful for, for your insights today and thankful to you for, for joining me today to talk about how things are going at Truett Seminary, to talk about the things that you're learning through this pandemic and to offer those words of hope. So thank you so much for, for joining me today for what's been really a wonderful conversation. Daniel, it's been my pleasure, and um, take good care, and I hope to see you in person soon. Likewise.